least I couldn't be here tonight, so I'll read in her stead. 2 Kings 7, 3 through 11. Now there were four men who were lepers at the entrance to the gate. And they said to one another, Why are we sitting here until we die? If we say, Let us enter the city, the famine is in the city, and we shall die there. And if we sit here, we die also. So now come, let us go over to the camp of the Syrians. If they spare our lives, we shall live, and if they kill us, we shall but die. So they arose at twilight to go to the camp of the Syrians. But when they came to the edge of the camp of the Syrians, behold, there was no one there. For the Lord had made the army of the Syrians hear the sound of chariots and of horses, the sound of a great army, so that they said to one another, Behold, the king of Israel has hired against us the kings of the Hittites and the kings of Egypt to come against us. So they fled away in the twilight and abandoned their tents, their horses, and their donkeys, leaving the camp as it was, and fled for their lives. And when these lepers came to the edge of the camp, they went into a tent and ate and drank, and they carried off silver and gold and clothing and went and hid them. Then they came back and entered another tent and carried off things from it and went and hid them. Then they said to one another, We are not doing right. This day is a day of good news. If we are silent and wait until the morning light, punishment will overtake us. Now therefore come, let us go and tell the king's household. So they came and called to the gatekeepers of the city and told them, We came to the camp of the Syrians, and behold, there was no one to be seen or heard there, nothing but the horses tied and the donkeys tied and the tents as they were. Then the gatekeepers called out, and it was told within the king's household. This is the word of the Lord. Sometimes I get myself into stuff, call it uh, reluctantly obedient, maybe. <laughs> it's been, uh, <clears throat> I used to do this stuff a lot 25, 30 years ago, teaching and preaching and stuff like that. And uh, I remember, it's starting to come back now why I got out of that. <laughs> I took some time off. It's been like, I don't know, two years since I preached here, and I took some time off for some various reasons. And uh, sometime this summer, man, I don't know, it was like June. I told Doug, I said, hey, man, you know, you ever need my fill in, let me know. He said, oh, you want to come back? I was like, sure. About a week later, sure enough, you know, he goes, hey, Sajin's wedding is coming up. Can you do it? I'm like, oh, yeah, you know, no, not even a thought. I said, sure. And, uh, man, I, I don't know what I was thinking. Um, <clears throat> Jeremiah, I think it's chapter 9, says something about uh, the word gets in you and then it burns to get out and you don't really have any choice. And I tell you, I think the next time I feel that, I'm just going to drink some Pepto-Bismol and take a nap. <laughs> He, he can have this. I have people that say they enjoy this. Man, who are those people? Oh, my gosh. <clears throat> and it's got to do with, like, being, I mean, I love you people, at least most of you. I don't know some of you, but I love you guys. And, uh, you know, it's not mine doing it. It's like, man, the word is, uh, the word's a word, and it's real. Man, it wears me out, you know. <laughs> and then you want to get up and talk about it in front of people. Oh, man, that's... Uh, Something about that's wrong. (laughs) 
wrong for me anyway. Uh, yeah, so somebody accidentally leans into the, uh, well, dang, too far away, into the fire thing over there. We have to get out of here. That'd, that'd be good. If we can come back for communion, though, I'd appreciate it. Because uh, it don't matter how this goes, you know, we always end well. You know, that's always good. So we got that, all right? So, so I guess it's cool. But uh, <clears throat> first time I can remember being, like, reluctantly obedient, um, happened back in 03. I'd been teaching high school about nine years, and I won't give you some of the details, but I found myself at the end of the school year, last day teacher's supposed to roll out, my little Mazda pickup truck, and I'm at the gates of the high school I teach at, and I'm leaving. I mean, I'm done teaching. That was not by choice, okay? That was something God and I have been dealing with. And I had the best teaching year I'd ever had to the point that I actually looked one day because I had, like, all freshmen that year. You go, freshmen? Hey, man, I had, a, I had 91 or 92 of the top 100 freshmen in the school, right? I was great. Anybody could teach those kids. They were smarter than I was, man. I mean, you know, it's like you're having to go home and study to teach these guys. <clears throat> and I loved it and uh, um, thought that that was kind of a career for a long time. So here I am at 40 years old not knowing what's next, you know, because God has said, get out. I'm like, all right. So it's kind of that weird thing of knowing that you're someplace, but you had a hand in getting there by saying, okay, you know, I'll do this. Um, didn't know what to do with that. I'd been in that position before at times, but the, the, the thing that had been left or the circumstance that had been left had been, not been quite as, as uh, uh, in here as much as the teaching was, right? So... <clears throat> went through some grieving, you know, wanted to go back, couldn't, realized that was not an option, because if you are, then you're like, you're, okay, you're choosing to be disobedient. Couldn't go down that road. Um, I got bored and frustrated, right, because it's kind of like, um, I'd rather be doing that, but I'm doing this, and this, and this, and that, and that, and that. You know, I'm not doing that, and that's what I want to be doing. Um, so I was kind of stuck in a place and realized, ah, I don't want to stay stuck. And just like, yeah, let's just keep moving forward. Well, what's What's next? Well, I don't know. Roy, sound familiar? <laughs> you can relate. Roy and Dorothy are kind of going through some of that right now. Um, so that's kind of what's going on. And, it, and you know, I didn't have leprosy like the old boys that have gotten our story tonight. There was that feeling of I am separated from the people and the place that I really want to be. But I can't go back, and I sure can't stay where I'm at because I've got to keep moving to somewhere else, wherever it is God's got me to go. It was at that point that the thoughts that and if God's sovereign, and he's got me into this kind of thing, that that full realization kind of came into play. This has been, what, 13 years ago now. That full realization came into play that he'll do whatever he deems necessary to get me into a place to change my perspective and put me where he wants me to be. <laughs> Wasn't real sure how I felt about that then. And quite frankly, I'm not real sure how I feel about it now. It's just an is. You know, welcome to faith in God. Um, so that's why... This story is uh, partly why it's here tonight, but also, I mean, it's, this thing is a story that's dug on me for about 22 years, 23 years. Um, when I think about those experiences and what went down with that literally changing career and just kind of walking away from something that, you know, God, what are you doing to me now uh, type thing, um, this passage always comes to mind. You know, it's these four guys that are literally parked outside of a city. Um, they're trying to decide where to go, literally. When I think about this, too, the, the visual that comes to mind, and what I want to kind of drive the point home with, um, looks like something that most of you see just about every day, okay? And I'm going to hope that the manual shift drivers and the people under 16 will try to help you all out, uh, if you can see that. Somebody, where, where's this from? It's gear shift on a car, automatic, okay? Very few of you drive 
uh, manuals. You should all learn how to drive a manual just in case, but uh, story for another time. Okay, but that's it. Say them out loud with me. Here we go. Park. Oh, man, I don't believe what Doug said. Y'all can be taught. Okay, so. <laughs> Whatever. It's just what I have to do to get through this. Okay. <laughs> so there's these four guys. And I'm thinking, at least how we read Scripture, they must be Honda guys because it says they were kind of like all in one accord. <laughs> Credit that to Eric Savage. Okay, that, that was his. <laughs> all right, whatever, moving on. That, uh, they sit here and they talk about what we're going to do. Right? And we, we kind of get party to this little conversation that they have. And what we find out as we read the scripture, Jesse read it a minute ago, and we're going to go back through it a little bit, is that they're parked outside this city, and they say, we can't go back, can't go in reverse, we can't stay here, don't put it in neutral, we have to move forward. we got to be in drive, okay? And sermon, there we go, good deal. Okay, so, why were they here? I mean, what, what was wrong with them? There was something wrong. Leprosy, right? Now, they were outside the city not because of their leprosy as much as it was because they were obedient to the law. Man, if you know the Old Testament, if you know me, I, I did live the Old Testament. That's the, that's the place where all the good stuff happens. I mean, Jesus is good, but the Old Testament, man, it, it kind of sets him up. You know, after Acts, I'm just like, man, New Testament, good glory. You know, Paul wears me out. You know, but the guys in the Old Testament, that's some good stuff, you know. Because um, you got everything from, you know, Braveheart to crazy love stories to some of this nuts stuff that we've been seeing the last couple months as David's, been, you know, been showing up on the scene every week. Doug been struggling to get through him, right? And David can make an appearance here because, uh, you know, David is one of these guys that um, he, he could do here okay and he could do here okay. Man, when it got into these normal, these middle gears, you know, David struggled, right? <clears throat> so there's these guys trying to decide what they need to do. They've got leprosy, and because they are obedient, the Old Testament law, they are outside the city, outside the camp. If you read it in Leviticus, when it talks about it, at that time they're still in a tabernacle situation, right? No buildings. And leprosy could be something as simple as a little bit of hair that discolors, and it could also be a skin disease that was so obvious you couldn't get away with it, and some other things associated with that. But either way, you had to be away from people, right? Clothes had to be ripped. It had to be uncovered. When you approach people, some of you know this stuff. What did you have to do? Does anybody know? Yeah, unclean. Had to do that. Six, ooh, that sounds good. Six feet, right, was the minimum. And then every week, when you're outside the, the city, outside to get wherever it was you were living, every week you would go and meet the priest. The priest would show up and kind of decide if you had leprosy still or not. And if you were lucky enough that this stuff might disappear in a week, then you had to go through the cleansing process. So that's what's going on. These guys... We don't know how long they're there, right? But we do know they're in a leprous condition. They're away from their family. They're away from their city. And they're pretty much at the mercy of whoever's willing to continue to follow the Old Testament law of how they might even be taken care of, right? We know they're obedient. In other words, it's not their leprosy. It's their obedience. They got them in a place that they were in. I mean, that don't always feel real good. (laughs) Their obedience... To the word as they knew it, put them in the place that they did not want to be. Hello. <laughs> wow. We don't know how long they're there. See, leprosy could be something that literally could go away in a week, right? It could also last, where's Katie? Forever, <laughs> right? It could last a long, long time. 
So you're, out, you're outside this city, one of these four guys, in a position of, I don't know if I will ever physically get to be with my wife again. I don't know if I'll ever get to hug my children again. I don't ever, ever even get to share a meal with friends again because of the state that I'm in. So there's four guys, right? And they're sitting there deciding what to do. The situation at the time, however, is a little worse because not only are they being obedient to the law that's got them outside the city and they've got some skin problems that we just rub a little cream on and we're good to go, right? The city is starving because it's been under siege because there's an army of Syrians, think east of the Jordan River. Who knows exactly who it was? They're just east. Syria's still there today. And they're encamped a little ways away. They're about to come in and pretty much attack the city. So the city, because they're under siege, can't get out, can't get food. The king's not doing real well. The people helping them aren't doing real well. They're not listening to a guy named Elisha, right? And they're all in this position where these guys are sitting there realizing, man, we are in the proverbial between a rock and a hard place, right? So what do they decide to do? Well, they figure out that here's where we're parked. We got three options. We can go back, we can stay here, or we can go forward. Scripture says, if we say we will enter the city, then the famine is in the city and we will die there. They also got two things working against them. They can't go in reverse because the city's got no food for them anyway, but also because if they go back in the city, well, now they're being disobedient. Now, what's all the time outside the city done if, if all they're going to do is say, life got too hard, I've got to go back in the city, I'm going to be disobedient anyway, I've got to try to save myself. They're not willing to do that. These dudes, in the midst of the circumstances going around them, are obedient <laughs> to what God's Word said. That's amazing to think about. In the midst of all that stuff happening, these guys are still like, no, nah, that's what the Word says, we've got to do that. That's what we need to do. They can't go back. Reverse is not an option. They can't stay here. Scripture says, and if we sit here, we die also. Again, probably wasn't leprosy that kills them. Most of the times it wasn't fatal. You would get deformities and your face could go weird stuff, but it wasn't, it wasn't as bad. We, uh, watching movies and stuff over the years, every now and you hear about leprosy. There are forms of diseases that are not necessarily leprous where parts of your body can fall off, but the leprosy they're talking about here was more of something that affected like the nervous system, so you would lose the sense of pain and your hands could get deformed, and your face could be deformed, that type of thing. Um, it's not that that says, you know, neutral's not an option. It's the fact that they know there's an army camped, and they're at the gate. Where are you going to attack the city? Probably right through the gate. I mean, what are they going to do? You know, they can't stay there. Not an option. Scripture says, Now therefore, come and let us go over to the camp of the Syrians. They can't go back. They can't stay here. They have to move forward. So they do that. Of all the guys least likely to go out and, you know, take on an army or negotiate with an army, or do, it, would, it would be the, these four guys outside the gate, you know. If they're having a little, little uh, meeting time inside the city and go, man, we've got to find somebody to go negotiate. It's not going good. Oh, yeah, the four dudes outside the gate, you know, give them the job. They're in good shape. Probably not an option, right? So at night, they decide to travel down the road at night, and we're privy because the writer includes it. The lepers would not have known this, but we're privy to what had happened to this army that's coming to lay waste to the city. God is pretty serious about protecting and providing provision for his people. Where'd Linda go? I thought, I thought oh, she's over here. Linda, where, there you are. Sorry. She looks a lot like you, Linda. <laughs> about provision for the city, right? God, God's serious about protecting his people. Now, there's a history of God confusing armies. Right? When they first came into the promised land, he did that a few times. The story of Gideon and some of that stuff. It's really good stuff. Right? 
He had done it here, apparently. We get a pretty descriptive idea of how quickly God had changed this army's mind about wanting to attack the city to the point that they leave hot food, it seems like, on the table, and they're gone. And not only that, it talks later that they're in such a hurry to do it, they're like throwing armor and clothing and stuff off just to get across the Jordan as quick as they possibly can. Now, lepers don't know that stuff. So it says when they come to the camp of the Assyrians that they come to or the Assyrians, that they come to the outskirts of the camp. The outskirts of the camp. You know why they did it? I mean, they're lepers. They're looking to, to see if anybody's in there. All right? They're going, where is everybody? Oh, wait a minute. There's nobody here. Plus, they're not Hebrews. Hey, it's party time, man. They go in the tent. They eat a little drink a little bit. They go, hey, there's some decent stuff here. Hide. By the time they get to the second tent, they realize the car's still running, and it's in park again. Because they go, Scripture. Then they said to one another, we are not doing right. We can't go back. Not doing right. We can't go back to not being obedient to who we are as God's people. The people we love and our family and our city, they don't know what we know. Man, this is good news. This has got to be shared, right? Can't stay here. Scripture says this is a day of good news, but we are keeping silent. If we wait until morning light, punishment will find us. Punishment will overtake us. They don't know, because we do, right, that the, that the Syrians are gone. They don't know when they're coming back, right? So they're faced with a, a bountiful little camp right here that they realize if these guys are gone, man, we need to let the city know because we're starving, and the biggest thing we need right now is food. I mean, this is good news. There's some good stuff going on here. We can't keep quiet because if we wait till the morning, the army might be back by then. That's not going to be good. Right? Not only that, love this. It says it's good news. Now, that'll preach right there. I mean, what's the gospel? It's good news, right? And all, all we know to do to the gospel is we just proclaim it. We just share it, man. Introduce people to Jesus. <laughs> That's evangelism 101 right there. You just introduce people to Jesus. You get to know somebody a little bit when the question comes up, why are you doing what you're doing? Man, here's why, you know. I think it's good. That'll preach. So Jesus is showing up in this little story. Love that. Okay, but what do they decide to do? Man, the car is back in drive. Check this out. This is great. Verse 9 and verse 4. If you've got your phones, your Bibles, look at the wording of how this is. Verse 4 said, Now therefore come. Look at verse 9. Now therefore come. Verse 4. And let us go over to the camp of the Syrians. Verse 9. Let us go and tell the king's household. Man, it's the same trip. And that trip's not made in reverse, and it's not made in neutral. That trip is made in drive because they realize we've still got to go. We've still got to move forward to go back. Yeah, it's to where we were, but now we know what it is that the people need to hear. And the crazy thing is they come back and share this story at the gate. They don't enter the camp because remember before they looked, nobody was there. They, it wasn't Hebrew camp anyway, and since everybody's gone, it says they entered the camp. Here, they get back to the gate, right back to the place where they were before when the first trip started. They're back there letting them know, hey, y'all need to go check this out. Army's gone, and there's some good stuff over there. Man, it's time to roll, you know. Whole nother story, whole nother lesson, whole nother preaching about the, the bigger picture story that's going on between Elisha and the king and everything surrounding this city, and you would think, that that good news might be acted on pretty quickly. No, not hardly. A lot of times good news is heard. That don't mean it's always acted on. That means it's always believed. 
You know, so there's something going on there. These guys didn't care. And the writer, pretty much, got nothing else on, the, on these lepers. Man, they just, they disappear. It's like they've got this little, I don't know how long, how far the camp was away. Let's, let's say it was, I don't know, let's say it was a mile away, okay? They got leprosy, so they're doing that mile in what? Uh, we'll give them a half an hour, all right? So it's 30 minutes over, 30 minutes back. Sounds like they had a little bit of a party and went and hit some stuff, so we're going to give them three hours for that. So we're talking a five or six hour period, okay? I know I'm spitballing here, but we're going to say five or six hours, okay? <laughs> Go study it on your own. You come up with a better time. That'll be good. All right. They, and then, and then, so they got this six-hour window in the whole scripture, and then they're just gone off the scene. And that's it. All right. But I love the fact that four guys that would seem the least likely candidates to be the voice for God's provision and providence and, and taking care of His people and liberating the city and God letting His people know Man, don't worry about these battles. I can handle some of these battles. It's these four little guys that we don't even know the name of. There's guesses. People have got guesses about it and stuff, but, but nothing else ever shows up. All we know is that they knew they couldn't go back, and they knew they couldn't stay where they were, and they knew they had to move forward. A lot of questions always come up when I read this, um, and, and they come up pretty quickly. And I made just a list of them, but... Um, Here's kind of the thought to transition to that because it's the questions that, that I, as I wrote them, I asked them myself, and I want to share them with you just because I don't know what your questions are. I mean, I, I know some of you. I know a few people's stories, and some of you know mine, but a lot of you, we, we don't. I mean, it's just most bodies wouldn't, and we're big enough that we don't spend enough time with each other. We're not sure where everybody's parked tonight. We know we're parked somewhere, okay? But, and we don't know wh- what it is that's trying to pull you back into places maybe that you don't want to be, and you'd rather not go. Uh, places that are hard. And we don't know how stuck you might be, right, just spinning wheels and trying to figure, how, God, get me out of this. What am I doing, right? And, and then when, when the realization comes in, man, I got here because I was trying to do what I thought you wanted me to do, you know? But I do know this. I do know we all need to move forward. When the mystery of what could happen overcame the certainty of what would happen, these guys only had one choice, and that was to move forward. Let's say that again. When the mystery of what could happen overcame the certainty of what would happen, they knew they only had one choice, and it was not to go back, and it was not to stay there. It was to move forward. Where you parked? <laughs> what's the leprosy in your life? In other words, what, what's the obedience that's gotten you into this place that you need to shift gears, right? Where, where, what gear do I need to be in tonight? More importantly, what gear do I want to be in? Because, man, when I look back, I don't like some of the things I see. You have some great memories, but I'm like, yeah, that's rough. And when, I, when I'm just spinning wheels, man, I don't know about you, but I get, I get bored. So when Soren Kierkegaard goes, boredom is like the root of all evil, and I go, yeah, I get that. Yeah, boredom just tears me up. I mean, I'm... <laughs> I'm notorious for saying, let's do something even if it's wrong, right? Let's move. If there's a road to go on, then let's move. I mean, I want to be moving forward. It's my own stuff a lot of times that holds me back, you know, that doesn't want to, you know, I, I want to jump from here to here, but unfortunately, i got to go through here. I don't want to stop there, though, you know, and sometimes I want to, my stuff is what causes me to stop. 
So here's the questions. If they hit you, cool. If not, hopefully you're got your own. Yeah. And uh, these are written as I wrote them to myself. That makes sense. So when it says you or whatever, that's it's it was coming here. Um, it's kind of bringing you in on that. Any fear that you're dying where you are? There's a lot of ways to die. Sometimes we can be dying and not dying, you know? Are you parked at a place that you're afraid to move from? I'll let you in on something else. I, I consider myself pretty fearless. I don't know why. It's probably more stupid. <laughs> you know, sometimes if you don't know better, you don't know better. Um, so I have found myself sometimes in situations probably shouldn't have been in, you know, and you chalk it up, yeah, I'm just fearless. Wow, well, that's, <clears throat> that's bull crap, you know. Um, what do these guys have to lose? That's a good question. Was this simply an act of desperation? Or was it something else? Was it selfish? Are they literally just trying to save their own skin? Did their condition as lepers cause them to make this decision? If not their condition, then... Hold on. It's a big one. If they weren't outside the city, in other words, if they weren't lepers, if they didn't have to be away from their family and their friends and the city that they loved, would they have chosen this movement? Did nobody else inside the city have the same thought as these guys? Good grief, where was everybody? Four guys? Four guys had the ability to look out and go, well, the army's not here yet. We got one option. It's that way. How did their current circumstances give them a different perspective? Boy, it changed after that first trip, didn't it? <laughs> Just think about what the trip back, still going forward for them, think about what the trip back was like going back to the city. I bet it was faster. I bet they did it 15 minutes and 10 minutes. I bet they were moving. Actually, they might have had animals to ride, too. They left stuff there. Okay. And lastly, this is one that uh, takes me fully back 13 years ago. Is this a good place for these men to be? Hmm. If you ask me what definition of vision is, it would sound something like this as I write it. The ability to look past and to look out of the situation and circumstances that I find myself in to see where it is that God wants me to go. In other words, I see what's going on around me. I see the city. I see the leprosy. I see all this stuff. But to look past that and see where it is God wants me to go, that's true vision. <laughs> My problem is the moment I forget that God wants to show me the way, well, that's the moment I lose that vision. Then I get stuck. Then I start looking back. In my case, man, I just I want to fix it. Try to figure out how to do it. There's a guy named Batterson. I can't remember his first name. He's a minister up outside of Washington, D.C., and he writes some really incredible stuff. Um, I had a whole lot of it I wanted to share, and those things just got getting pulled out. I ended up with, with just this one, but in relation to that, the idea of vision and seeing where God wants you to go and, and in going there, he says this, God wants you to get where God wants you to go more than you want to get there. God wants you to get, or God wants you to go, more than you want to get there, and don't forget that God wants to show you the way. That's a pretty good promise. <laughs> promise if I'm not looking for that, moving toward that, or if I'm throwing it in the wrong gear, 
then that doesn't materialize, man. So I can think of how many times, even especially in the past few years, as we've been living and working down here in the city and the stuff we're trying to do, those of you that know and stuff, what we try to do with houses and trying to move people into and resource in the neighborhoods, man, there's, there's a lot of days when the truck goes in neutral. <laughs> and it's like, I'm done today, you know. I pass it off as, well, I'm tired. You know, I went in early today. I got a meeting. I just get sick of it, man, <laughs> you know. And uh, my tendency then is to put it in such a drive state that I outrun, you know, what God's got planned. I just want to run things over. So I got a big truck, and I think I can do a lot of damage with it. You know, so I, I want to tell you specifically what that is because it incriminate me, but if you ever see, like, these payday advance places, if one's ever, like, just leveled to the ground by a truck, yeah, it was not me. <laughs> Just saying. So I, I can't say also that my life is one where I look at it and I go, man, I got this down. Oh, yeah. I just, these, these things, they don't even exist. Right? Man, I go from park to drive every day. It's just the way it works now. Because in reality, I was telling David, always upstairs with the kids, I was telling David earlier, just right now the season of life I'm in, it's like this is kind of even difficult to speak from because stuff is like, it's like really in good places. There's good rhythms and things happening. It's like, you know, what's going on? He don't use that word blessing. This is not like God bless me. I'm not really sure what God's up to, you know. I just know what's going on around me. And there's an uneasiness of, yeah, I still want to be obedient. I still want to be in drive, but I, I don't get some of this stuff. So here's some examples of, of what this could look like. I got a cousin that we're close enough to be brother and sister, especially when we were in high school. Same age, except she's a few months older, right? Um, to my knowledge, she's never known her dad, right? I've never known him, and we grew up together, even long gone. Um, the two women, her mother and her grandmother, that raised her, um, by the time she was mid-20s, they had died, one from cancer. Um, she's married and has two kids, but she also lost a third child. Emily was three months, four months old. Um, the SIDS thing or something like that uh, took her life. Um, and just in the past year and a half, she has had cancer and is having to deal with that. And yet to talk to her of anybody that I know, right? And granted, we're family, but still, man, I, she's on the heroes regardless of the fact that she's family, that has the ability that could say, yeah, I need to, I'm going to throw it in reverse here for a little bit. Life's a little hard. I'm going I'm to waller here a little bit. Uh, and I, I, I wouldn't even mind just being... I'd like to spin the wheels. I'd throw this thing out of gear. I don't want no other movement because, man, every time movement occurs, it about kills me. No. Man, she, I don't know if it's to get the faith. I don't know what it is. But when you think about people of, of faith and, and a strong faith and, and being obedient and knowing that, that God is sovereign in their life, man, that's my cousin. You had to meet her and you'd know. Right? I've seen my own wife this summer. And some of y'all know some of the stuff of the story. But, but there's a a family that lives close to us that to the people around them, they, it's like they have leprosy. Some of you may know the story. And the good deal of that is, for those of you that know, power and electricity and stuff's back on. Okay, we got water again. There's a lot of handshaking and high-fiving the other day. It was really good, right? And these are the same people that in the first four years we lived there, uh, three or four small conversations, you know, like helped him jump his car once, a little conversation, helped him push a car once, that's it, no other conversations. And we've even heard other people in our neighborhood that literally have said, don't even get me started, kind of put the hand up, walk away. They don't even want to have anything to do with them. It's almost like the, 
the leprosy thing in reverse. You know, get away from me. I don't want to be near you, right? And yet, my wife, this lady who five years ago when we had this conversation about that, that ended up being, she asking me, are we being obedient by not moving downtown? Because that's kind of where our life is right now. And I'm like, yes, you then let's put the house up for sale and downtown, right? Still with all the fear that she had about all this other stuff. And I'm watching her walk across the street and give them food. And I'm watching her, you know, say this is hurting. I don't know how to do this stuff. And yet then we're talking about them and she's still caring about them. And so it's like this, this uh, tensional, you know, reluctant obedience to I understand what's there and how I really feel, but then I know what she's doing. That makes sense? And then there's Ace and Ruth. I don't think they're here tonight. They're gone. But uh, this past week, we, uh, um, I don't know, we don't do contracts. How do you do it? They've committed to living in this house that we've got down on Fifth Avenue. We've had this house for a few months. Uh, it's going to be a renaissance house. And uh, it's not a house that you drive by and go, oh, that's a nice place. Man, it's not. It's a piece of crap right now. But give us a little while. It's going to be all right because we know who's going to be living in it now, too. See, we've been kind of going through that process with some people that we thought we were going to live in it, and it didn't materialize. And all of a sudden, Ace was bouncing. I don't know how well y'all know him. Ruth's the violin player from last week, right? Oh, hey, Ruth. Sorry. I didn't know you were here. Uh, not that I'd care anyway, whatever. I fend <laughs> people all the time. I really don't care. Um, so here's, here's people that you wouldn't necessarily match up. And, and was he not? He was bouncing, was he not? He's bouncing. We're meeting with him the other day, and I'm driving home. I'll get this out. I'm driving home, and I'm thinking about this house on Fifth Avenue and how it looks and the fact that right now on that street at any given night, you're as likely to hear gunshots as you are the sound of children playing. By golly, next summer... Oh, Ruth, you're doing this to me, hon. She's going to teach violin lessons in her house. And when violin lessons and the sounds of violins start drowning out gunshots, man, we're moving forward, aren't we? Oh, man, that'll preach. Here's the thing about cars. Cars aren't designed and they aren't built to go in reverse. They aren't designed, they aren't built to go in neutral. Those are convenience things. And if you're not a mechanic, you've probably never even had your car in neutral, right? And the reverse is, most of you can't drive in reverse anyway. Good, I've seen some of you parallel park. Good glory. (laughs) That's nuts. Whatever. But it isn't there, right? Cars are designed. Nobody wants to know how fast you go zero to 60 in reverse. No, I mean, that's saved for drive, right? A little odometer that keeps mileage, it doesn't record how many miles you went in reverse or sitting still. Man, that odometer reads how many miles you went in drive. Cars are designed to move forward. They're not designed to sit still and go places that you can't even see what's back there and just not do anything. They're designed to move forward. People, that's us, man. That's the church. We're designed as God's people to move forward. The church, when it got started, was known as the way because it was a movement. Man, we're about to literally shift gears here in a few minutes to come to the table, Right? Because Jesus died so that we could celebrate His death because His death was done so that we could move toward Him. We can't go back and we can't stay here. We must move forward. Amen.